Welcome back to the Calm Mind Podcast. I'm here with Toby, my lovely, handsome co-host. How are you doing, Toby? I'm good. I'm well. How are you doing, Ron? Not the best. <laughs> my week has honestly been one of the worst. But, I mean, relative to my other weeks, not like the worst in all of humanity. But I hate how you have to always elaborate these kind of things. <laughs> well, yeah, because now I want to know I want to know what's going on. Why, why don't you have a <clears throat> calm mind? What's going on? Okay, I'll try. So, basically, I re-fixed my sleep schedule, I guess, where it's like I, my alarm clock was always next to my bed, so I could always turn it off and then go back to sleep. I put it away just like how you should, you know. Great practice, out of, yeah. Out of reach from your bed. Um, but because of that, you know, like whenever you know that, okay, now you have an actual limit to your sleep, you actually have to get this amount of sleep or else you're not you're gonna wake up and you're not gonna be able to go back to sleep so when you're falling asleep you're you're just anxious you're like oh why am i not asleep oh i'm getting less sleep than i should because i know that there's a limit now (laughs) and then like and then it's it goes from like half an hour to even an hour of just me in bed stressing oh i should have been asleep an hour ago now i only have seven hours of sleep (laughs) instead of oh i get to oversleep if i do sleep less Um, is that is that something you genuinely experience like i i don't I don't yeah, have that. Every time I try to fix my sleep schedule, that happens. Um, especially, like, before going to um, school, you know, back to school, whenever you're like, oh, okay, now I have to actually wake up at a specific time. Oh, no, I'm I'm not falling asleep because I'm anxious, so I have to go to school the next day or whatever, and I know that I'm going to have to wake at a specific time, so now I'm getting way less sleep than I wanted. Um, it's just like you're psyching yourself up too much. And how, how are you doing at school as a result now? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. So, like, now I'm just tired while I'm working the whole day. But also, here's what's even worse is that I don't know what it's called, where it's like it's not an, actually a nightmare, but um, it's like for an hour you're just in bed, kind of in and out of sleep, and you're kind of thinking about the same thing over and over again. It's like a loop. Like sometimes yeah. for me, it's like a like a song lyric. Like I'll keep on hearing the same end of a song, and it's almost like it's harassing me in my sleep. And it's yes, like this entity, and, and it, well, like an earworm. It's an earworm, but like a nightmare earworm, not like an actual earworm where you're like singing it along during the day. Is it a song that you enjoy though, or is it a song that you're like, oh, I hate this song, it's still going? It's usually in the middle. It's never like a song I love and it's never a song I hate. It's always like a song that maybe my my subconscious is like trying to have an opinion on or something like that. Like the last time that happened, you know the the rapper Little Dicky? Yeah, I know Little Dicky. Little Dicky's great. So he had like a song called the, the kind of like the We Are the World kind of song. What was it yeah. like about saving the Earth or whatever? But it's like that's not like the best song ever, and it's, and but it's still catchy. So it's like probably if it wasn't catchy to me, I would have not liked the song. And because of that, your brain is like kind of resolving that while you're asleep. So the whole the whole um, night, like two years ago, whenever that song came out. I was just like repeating the song and like the part when um, when it says like and I'm Kanye West and it's like <laughs> like I'm just so in my mind it's, and I'm Kanye West You're and West. I'm Kanye West and I'm Kanye West <laughs> in my mind while I'm trying to fall asleep for two How hours. Awful. <laughs> but okay, so that's happening. That was happening t- two days in a row um, this week, and what was in my mind was not a song, but rather how we release this podcast. Right. Basically, I'm super worried about the logistics of the release of our podcast, which hasn't been released at the point of recording this. So the earworm in the back of my head is basically what do I have like what is the things what are the things we have to do? But it's like unintelligible. Like I like obviously I know what I have to do, but in my mind I'm worried and it's just repeating all the steps that we have to do 
when, when releasing the videos. I, I completely understand that. And actually, and I, I relate to that a lot. I have my to-do lists and it's very much like when I'm aware that there's an overwhelming amount of things coming up and, and again, logistical things like, yeah, it's not just like make a video. It's, you know, film a video, edit it, send it to the editors, whatever, you know, review that process, make the thumbnail, do the tags, do the things. All of these things have to find a place. And when you're doing a big project, like launching multiple episodes of a new thing, sharing it to all the various social medias and it coordinating feels like a with lot. another person's channel and right. your own videos when to put it in your video doing a post for, for the in the video you can do something on a community tab on twitter on discord on on instagram doing a tiktok like all of these things i completely understand the stress what's amazing about this though is by the time the, the rest of the world is hearing about this stress you're experiencing you're gonna be through it it's all gonna be okay you can be yeah. past it what made it even worse was basically so I'm tired after two days of like not getting enough sleep because I'm having these nightmares basically and then last night I'm like okay I gotta go to sleep I think I resolved this issue let me get into bed and all of a sudden I see a bunch of dead ants and all the precautions that I took to destroy the ants that I thought I did and I thought the ants are gone forever they're back um and there it seems like there's even more now and now they're all dead no. on my bed. Before, the ones that were on my bed were alive, so there were only a few, but now there's a lot of dead ones on my bed and around my bed, and I think we know the problem. <laughs> but again, I said that last time. Um, but what do you think the problem is now? Well, so I sealed up all the... I thought I said there were cracks in the window. Yeah. Um, so I sealed that up. So for two weeks, they were gone. But not only are they accumulating inside the window, <laughs> but... Because it's the the weather is getting warmer, I think the wood expands and has revealed more cracks. <laughs> so I didn't do I didn't do the best job I could, I guess, with sealing the window. Now I just have to go overboard and seal every part of that wall, I guess. Um, I am so sorry. I can feel your stress, like the anxiety of like I can't sleep. Plus, plus, ants. you know, <laughs> ants. Just the ants. Just being annoying ants. You're never going to like ants ever again. <laughs> these aren't like picnic ants, like tiny little... These are like the fully adult winged carpenter ants. Like they're bigger and they're laying eggs. <laughs> so, and also, again, this is like right as I'm trying to fall asleep. So now, for an, so I don't go to sleep for another hour. I have to t- take my mattress and just put it somewhere else to fall asleep because I'm not going to sleep near... Even if I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I vacuumed compl- all the ants, I don't want to sleep there. Um, but after this podcast, like literally... When we stop recording, I have to not go and seal up the windows. Even though I was, it was a beautiful day. I was going to go for a walk the, th- through the forest. It was going to be nice. And I don't know. Anyway. I'm sorry. The fight against the ants continues. <laughs> oh, mate. I'm sorry. That sounds genuinely very, very stressful. Um, yeah. I, I, what can I say? And the sleep thing is super important because it it affects everything. You know, like if you're if you're tired when you wake up, that's your mood set for the day. And uh, I can't imagine the frustration of of lying there and needing to go to sleep and and not being able to. I've I've always been particularly well blessed with fall asleep whenever, wherever, relatively easily, actually. Really? Um, yeah, I have a. Do you know I've got another Instagram called Bird Sleeper Toby? Do you know I, about this? I think I do, but no, I guess I don't. I just know that obviously I, the theme that you sleep. Everybody knows I, that you sleep. Yeah, I, I haven't uploaded to it in a long time, but it's just pictures of me at conventions. Oh yeah, okay. No, I just thought that was someone else's. Off me. 
I thought that was someone else's uh, Instagram that, and they were just right. You know, people take pictures of me asleep at events because <laughs> I take a nap more or less everywhere. Though I, I believe that that phase of my life, and it was quite a big phase, is now over because really? I've yeah over the last I don't know year, uh, especially while I've been monitoring my diet a little bit more closely. I've just. I've managed to get to a point where my energy is maintained pretty well throughout the day. Mm. Um, I do find that when I break my diet and break my routines, that messes with me. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm straight back there. I need a nap middle of the day, that kind of thing, uh, pretty consistently. But, I'm the type um, of guy who yeah. hates naps because when you wake up from them, you just feel way worse. Apparently, I'm assuming you don't. No, I don't. So yeah. that's the, it really is. It's like humans are split into two types of people, the people who like naps and people who just feel worse after them um and i i don't know what kind of biology thing is going on like what's the difference in our dna <laughs> how does it work i just so i'm always tired <laughs> maybe that's like a, a mediterranean um siesta type thing i don't know that's a thing think. isn't it i mean I'm, I'm technical i'm middle eastern so it's like oh yeah okay <laughs> so I, i'm assuming we take more sleeps than the europeans um i suppose and but no but i've heard like two white guys talking about this and they have completely different you know opinions on naps so i don't know if it has to do with culture but it may i don't know it probably does actually <laughs> part of my ancient greek heritage that that makes me want to <laughs> <laughs> makes me want to nap all the time i have no idea but now so you basically said that you can sleep anywhere and what's funny is that i'm kind of half half in terms of that kind of uh deal where when i was like commuting to school i would easily be able to sleep on buses and with like while listening to the loudest music um, like Pokemon battle music Whoa. or something. But on the other hand, when I'm falling asleep, like in my bed or anything, I can listen to like, I actually, f for until like last year, I would have to listen to have something in the background, like a TV at like the minimum like volume in order to fall asleep. Cause I, but that was mostly for the light. But if there's some kind of inconsistent sound in the background, I cannot go to sleep. So that inclu includes like snoring or like pipes. Um, snoring, rattling. snoring. I can't do. I completely get that. Completely. Yeah, snoring is the, n the number one thing. That's that's the worst thing because you always you're also like tempted to like wake the other person up and tell them to stop, while like pipes you can't really do anything about that. No, you can't do anything about pipes. I definitely have woken people up who snore, like just rudely. I'll just grab a pillow. I'll if I've got like a mate over and we're for whatever reason stuck in the same sleeping situation. Or a more common one is like at a convention and I've agreed to share a room with oh, someone that's and the they've worst. they've promised they don't snore. Yeah. And I, kn I know I don't snore. I've been very well reviewed, but I'll take the pillow <laughs> and I'll like whack someone with the pillow and be like, you gotta, I'm sorry, you've just got to wait for me to get to sleep. I'll be 10 minutes. Don't close your eyes till Ooh. then. <laughs> no, okay, but here's the thing. I can't do anything, whether it be go to sleep and especially I can't pee. I can't go to the bathroom under pressure. If someone's like, okay, wow. you have a time limit, you have five minutes, we're going or, or I'm waiting. If someone says, oh, I'm waiting for you, pee, pee quickly, I want to pee. I can't do it. I, I won't be able to. I can't pee or go to sleep under pressure. So, because I'll be thinking about, oh, I should have been asleep two hours ago. <laughs> Just like the problem with the with the nightmares. It's like... Perform performance anxiety, right? Even, not exactly. It's literally yeah. that. But here's what's, here's what's crazy. The, the pee thing, it all started from a specific event. Before then, this wasn't a problem. So one day, like seven years ago or whatever, I was... Uh, taking a blood test. Okay. They took a lot of blood out of me, and I was, I was not able to stay conscious. But then they're like, "Okay, but we also need a urine test." So go to the bathroom and you know pee in a cup. But I kept on fainting as I was trying to pee. Whoa. So now 
I guess I'm traumatized because I'm like, because I was like, oh no, I'm fainting, but they really need the pee. Oh no, they, they've, <laughs> I'm, I've been in the bathroom 15 minutes now. They think I'm weird or something. That's like, why can't I pee? Um, and now that I have that feeling whenever I need to pee, and people are either listening or waiting or. You know what you need? What? Therapy. <laughs> I've brought it all. What's actually so? I have I have a therapist, and I did bring it up, and I actually it has helped. Where so the solution again? I still have this anxiety, but what made it a little better was I noticed that the fear was actually connected to social anxiety, which is why right. I'm there for therapy. So basically, I'm afraid that they think I'm weird, that I'm peeing, or that I'm taking too long to pee, or that someone's listening and they I don't know, they think I pee weirdly. <laughs> you know, you know have. We all have weird pee things. It's fine. I've got yeah, a weird yeah, pee yeah. thing. We've all got... <laughs> I but can't... I can't go at a urinal. I, I same have, thing. I ha- same have for the to same go reason. in. Oh my goodness, we're the same. I have to sit in a cubicle. I cannot stand. And the idea that someone else will walk in, I hate it. So exactly. I just have to sit in a cubicle every I time. I have not been at a urinal since the first grade. So since I was six. Because that's... I guess there was an event <gasps> where I was... New school... In first grade, maybe like the first week, I went to pee, and then like an upper, like a person from third grade, you know, two grades above me, just walked in while I was at the urinal, and I don't know, maybe he said something that I, I got embarrassed, he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, in the first grade, yeah, I don't know why he was looking, but yeah, um, and then after that, I was just scarred, and I'm like, okay, I can't, I don't want my pee to lead to social situations, so, whatever. I mean, so, same, that, I, I exactly. don't like that as a social situation. I didn't know anyone else, though, that does that, 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 that's so cool, that so we're, really see, we're cool. kindred spirits, this is why we do the podcast, is to discover this. We That's why we're a calm mind, because we need a calm mind while we pee. <laughs> <laughs> Enter um, the zen. It's also just good social media time to sit down and just, like, check true. Twitter. There's wow, there's so many pee stories. That's not good. I didn't even finish this pee story. We can't be a full pee podcast. Finish, <laughs> this, this, finish this story. Do this story. Let me finish we- this story and then I'll make, I'll tell the other pee story in a different podcast. But it's so related. <laughs> it's it's a perfect segue. <laughs> but basically, in therapy, so we the solution or the was basically to be like in my mind while I'm peeing is that everybody actually wants to listen to me pee <laughs> and, that, and that they like it. So it's like whenever I'm peeing and I think people are listening to me, it's in my mind, I'm like, oh, they're cheering me on. Ron P, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst, but it helps because before that, I'm like, oh, go, in my Ron, mind, go. go, go, Ron, go, go. And like when I successfully pee, like in my mind, they're, they're like, the audience is cheering. Like, yeah, yeah, he did it. Um, <laughs> kind of like that SpongeBob episode where like they just want their burgers, <laughs> and and they're and he's flipping, he's doing stupid things, and then he just finally flips the burger, and they, the crowd goes wild. Dude, that's amazing! I love that you've just shared that. That's that's you're gonna help a lot of people. I promise you. And if anyone's Someone. listening to this on YouTube, if anyone's listening to this, please say in the this is a safe space for exactly that. <laughs> and it's always like the classic trope of like therapy. That podcasts are just like therapy for men <laughs> instead of actually going to therapy. But I mean, this kind of helps. I just found out that, you know, one of my best friends actually has the same problems. Right. So All that's right. pretty cool. That's it. I don't know what it is. I just, for some for some reason, the idea of being stood up, I can do it if the bathroom's completely empty. Fine. No problem. It's the moment someone else enters. And I don't yeah. want the small talk thing in the you know i know f- for lots of people it's a bonding experience but who is small talking while people are people aren't doing that but the thing is, is if you know someone and they walk in yeah true 
there's and it's not like every one piece so it's fine if you wanted to have a chat but it's like i just this is like the most uncomfortable situation for me to be having a conversation or and any anything in so i just lock myself away in the cubicle go on twitter go on tiktok it's all chill and uh come out a little bit later (laughs) (laughs) now i have the anxiety of the podcast not being recording, not recording, just because I want everybody to hear the pee story. Because this is gold. <laughs> I can confirm that I'm still recording on this. I also want to check. Um, you definitely picked up on the fact that I said therapy, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, I just really didn't want. I was very proud of myself for that. <laughs> I just didn't want that to be missed. <laughs> oh, it's the height dear. of comedy. That's it. That's it. So, other than peeing, what have you been doing this week, Toby? <laughs> other than peeing, of which I've been doing an excessive amount. Well, actually, no more than usual. Um, I've not. Do you know what? I've had an opposite, a very stressless um, week where I've been wow. rebuilding my routines and getting back into the groove. Uh, and I've actually been, had time to introduce a new show, one you recommended me. Um, Parks and Rec oh, into yeah, my yeah. life. Okay. And you mentioned at the end of the last podcast, you mentioned that you had seen. When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. I wanted to ask you how you found it, because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, once again, I mean, this is a very famous movie, and all the things that were awesome about the movie and that I liked, you definitely liked. So, like, I'm not going to say every scene that I liked, because you're like, you're going to just say, yeah, that was, yeah, that that was, was a great was, scene. That was a great scene. Uh, but I think the thing that is the personal experience and why I think this movie will stay with me forever um, is the fact, well, first, that normally comedy movies from like before 1999 I am not as big of a fan of um sure I guess just the humor isn't as relatable to me when Harry met Sally I did it was the one of the most interesting movies I've ever watched I did not get bored the entire time it was such a fascinating relationship Harry and Sally like you always everybody's heard about this movie at least from our generation and the generations before and so Harry and Sally are iconic film characters but now I know why. Yeah. I, I ship Harry and Sally like the whole what movie. Was your, so what was your understanding of these characters before seeing the movie? Did you have any idea or conception of what the like the rom com or like? I just thought they about? were. I thought they were two people that were dating, <laughs> but right. it's like kind of the opposite. Um, yeah, uh, the majority of the film they're not dating. Spoiler alert! It's been out for a while. And um, it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I felt like I was watching a show within a movie. Like, I would have wanted that to... I mean, it was a, such a tight script. It didn't need to be sh- shorter or longer. It was a really good screenplay. But I, I would have taken a whole, like, eight-episode season of that yes. movie. You've got the the friends in the film who are like a foil to Harry and Sally because they yeah. they meet each other, they get on, and they immediately start going out. And they have that relationship while Harry and Sally spend the whole time in their own way but maybe that's not like that's intentional so that they can maintain a friendship but yeah. they they are the block they are the only thing and the only reason they're not in a relationship is because they don't want to be and it's that's such a great tension for this rom-com you know and also because they've realized that their friendship itself is so valuable to them yes. um it really helped them through like a tough time in their life and I felt that I felt like this whole time I'm like, oh no! If he like asks her out this at this moment, or like if she makes a move at this moment, this is gonna ruin the entire relationship or something. And I mean, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to watch the movie and find out. But like, it just so there was this tension of not just sexual tension, but also like really well done, like not horror, but like it's like, oh no, I'm scared for their relationship. Um, yeah. And 
because anything could break it because they're also very different people but it's it's so cool to see such different people slowly become some of the best most genuine movie friends I've ever seen <laughs> do you know what you've just you've just hit the nail on the head for me with something that I've wondered for years and not been able to express that extra spice in the movie well, it's, it, no, it's not that it's that for me and it's getting a bit personal here but this was a film I used to get had as part of my getting over a breakup mm. um, I first watched it when getting over a breakup involving my first big relationship and so this was kind of a big emotional time for me and watching that film I don't know why you would think watching a rom-com is a terrible thing to do post breakup <laughs> but there was something about it that was quite I, I don't know freeing and quite exciting to watch and I think it was seeing relationships in which yeah of course clearly they would be wonderful together but they actually spend the majority of the film just being friends and helping each other through this breakup and i realized that a lot of my dynamics um with with friends and people i was dating after my big relationship were actually quite like that and maybe that was something i was secretly unknowing mm. i was kind of like coveting uh, just a friend just a friend that i could you know talk to and sure the tension can be there but we can actually help each other and I I had a a couple of people in my life who were like that for a a couple of years there before I eventually met the lovely Phoebe Um, what was cathartic also about the same kind of situation which is that you're seeing these people I guess are they in their 30s by this yeah I think so I think so people who are significantly older than me still not resolving (laughs) <laughs> that part of relationships. their life. Yeah. They're, they're still having that kind of trouble. There's no, there's still time for me, I guess, if they can do it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I it's, and it's not just them. I mean, throughout the film, you get these little beautiful cutaways to various couples have, who have met at oh, various yeah. stages in their life. And that's actually one of my, the most sort of forgotten about, but amazing parts of the film is that the film just randomly cuts away throughout its scenes to couples and asks them, sort of how did you meet how did you know they're the one what you know these are the implied questions that they're answering and that's it it's just these nice little because it's about that it's about friendships and loves and dynamics there's this beautiful line that you made me think about in the film where sally goes i'm turning 40 and harry goes when and she's like someday (laughs) but i'm doomed you know and it's ah it's beautiful i'm glad you liked it i'm really really glad you liked it dude i think the number one th- reason I like also this kind of movie is probably honestly the time skips. <laughs> like I'm a yeah. huge fan. That's one of my favorite tropes of all time. And it's also the other movie that you recommended that I watched, Steve Jobs, has that too. And it's also another reason why I loved it. I just love seeing character development so quickly, but also yeah. naturally. I love when it's like, oh, this is obviously how they would be 10 years later or whatever. Mm. And it's just done well. Um, so any form of media that I watch uh, or consume that has time skips, oh, I'm attached to it uh, even more. I, I guess cartoons do it way more often because it's easier to to do. To yeah, do. and I mean that's why I think every, I think every oh Rugrats. Okay, I'm a huge fan fan of uh, not only Rugrats but All Grown Up, the sequel series where they're like ten years. I old. remember that. Yeah, and I I'm one of the few that actually like think it's a well done show. And I think it probably is because people are just nostalgic for Rugrats so they just don't like change, I guess. Because it's not worse than Rugrats. Obviously, the it's not about babies, you know, experiencing the world from yeah. their perspective anymore. So it's not as, like, novel and cool. But it's still, like... It, what's crazy to me about this show, All Grown Up, where these babies are now 10 years old, not only are their, like, preteen selves very naturally 
like you can tell these are the same exact kids, but 10 years later, but also they write these characters like they're 14, like this is a teen drama. Like they have relationships and like tests and stress and like a lot of the same when you When problems. you just said that they're all 10, I yeah, was you're probably a bit right. like, aren't they teens? I thought, but I, it's been a long time since I've watched it. Exactly. So it's like the same thing where it's like when you rewatch it, no, you realize they're 10, but they're having like teenage high school problems. It's the weirdest thing in the world. But like, I mean, that's kind of the problem where it's like, so the... In cartoons, or at least just children's television, you always want you always want to make the protagonist just slightly older than the main audience, and I guess the audience of that of All Grown Up was like eight, nine, right. so they made the characters ten, and that's the problem. The, the the creators probably just wanted to make a teen comedy. I guess it's closer to like As Told by Ginger, which is the same studio. Have you ever seen As Told by Ginger? I haven't. No, I've never seen it, but I've just seen like clips and stuff. It's the same studio that made Rugrats. Um, so it's the same like animation style, but it's like it's like a teen comedy. Like there's actual teen problems and like humor that it's, wow. it's for teens. It's like PG thirteen. So that's probably what they wanted to do with All Grown Up. Um, but the other thing that All Grown Up was so famous for me, for at least in my mind, was that every episode they were wearing different clothes. What? Which is completely different from any. Sh- yeah, you rewatch it and you realize, wow, every episode they're just wearing different outfits. <laughs> and and they're and let's say like ten episodes later they repeat the same outfit because like naturally you're not you don't have like an you infinite amount of clothes wardrobe. I can't think of any other like cartoon that does that. Admittedly, that is something that because you know why once you've got a model, once you've got an animation, once you know how a certain clothing wears and fits and whatever, it is extra effort to create new outfits and to create new designs. And so actually, that is that's really interesting. I, I didn't know that. I'll be honest, I haven't looked at the show past watching it as a as a child um so i haven't given it that kind of second glance back um maybe i should i don't know maybe i should go watch it (laughs) and admittedly before we finish this part of the conversation the so angelica and Susie, like the two older like in rugrats they weren't babies they were like yes they are like 13 in the show so it's like they and their problems are also part of the show yeah and just like the Rugrats in All Grown Up generate different clothes in every episode, let us randomly generate some a Pokemon, Toby. Clean. Nice. I like that. Yeah, let's generate <laughs> a Pokemon. That was the best segue. Look forward to more of these in future episodes of the Calm Mind Podcast. Who we got today, Ron? Okay. Hopefully, it's not someone we already did, but we've only done three episodes and there are 900 Pokemon. Let's go. Ooh, Ursaring. Uh, Ursaring. That's a pretty nice Very cool. Pokemon. Cool um, Pokemon. I was talking about it recently in a video that I was filming. Um, I was just sort of expressing my not fondness of Ursaluna, the new evolution. Oh, in, okay. In interesting. Yeah. Um, Do you like it? I don't hate it. So there are some design aspects that I would have not done if, if I was the one designing Ursaluna. The fur doesn't look like fur. Like, because of the yeah. model, I guess. Um, although it's technically the same fur that Ursa Ring has, like, the square, like, the fur on Ursa Ring is weird already. So it's like, I guess it makes sense. But also, like, there's a lot of negative space on the dirt that is on top of Ursaluna. Like, there's empty dirt space. I don't know. Not, yeah. not a lot of detail on it. I like the fact that it's on all fours. I like that it's quadrupedal. I love also the the pattern that it has on its face. So there's dirt on top of the moon symbol on its face, so it looks like yeah. clouds over moon, like in the night sky, which is cool. But other than that, yeah, it's definitely relatively underwhelming, I guess, for... See, that that's something I actually don't like about it. Really? Because then that's why... Yeah, because I think, while it's cool in a sort of like, oh, that's a cool design element, you know, I also feel like 
wait, so this is a living, real creature, you know? And, like, is part of its biology that there's dirt that looks like clouds or there's, like, fur cut? And it just feels so unlikely. It's dirt, though. Like, it's, like, the number one thing that you can encounter in the wild. It's very easy, especially for, like, a digging kind of Pokemon. It's very easy for dirt to be on them. Especially since also they have to evolve with the peat block or whatever it's called. Sure, but then it would... It, it's such a specific pattern and configuration you know what i mean that it, well, it looks like a moon with clouds well earth ring is based on the sun bear right so it's like it already yeah. has this pattern that why does it have a sun pattern it's just because i mean that's the, the animal naturally evolved to have that pattern that looks like the sun um and the dirt could, what i mean this would have been cool but they didn't do it it could have been like spindo where the dirt could have been in different configurations on the moon on the forehead so it could have been like different clouds but any if you sprinkle dirt on on anybody's face it'll look like clouds i feel like so it's like so it's not that again it's it's not like it's probably the one of the least far fetched in my opinion in terms of like just, an, to a, me, a natural thing. It it doesn't look like I'm looking at it now, it doesn't look like dirt. It just looks like cloud. And if the explanation is that's dirt, I'm like, well dirt should be more random. I guess I, agree. I guess this is my feeling. This is my feeling. I agree that the dirt looks not it doesn't look like dirt on the entire body. The entire body, I don't know, the texture of the of, of the fur and the dirt on Ursa Luna mm. it just wasn't well done. But I think that's mostly the the art style of uh, Legends Arceus. Um, but so, it, so my point is that the dirt on his head is consistent with the weird dirt on its back. Sure. Or neck or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's just all the dirt doesn't look good. It's I feel cool. it's, still cool. it's it's cool. I don't. It's it certainly don't get me wrong. It's not the Pokemon I like hate the mo- most. I'm not going to die on this yeah. on this hill on this Ursaring hill, um, which I believe is a location. I think that's a location in game. I'm not going to die on this hill, but I I will say I just feel that. There have been years and years of fan art of what True. an Ursaring evolution could look like, and so there comes a level of expectation when you're playing with a, a very classic design like that. And uh, I, I think it lost a lot of. It didn't take what Ursaring was and enhanced it from Angry Bear to really Angry Bear, or so it, it sort of became this dozy, tired-looking creature. And I don't know if something about it just didn't quite fit with me, but maybe you disagree. Well, here's my hot take. I don't like Ursaring as much as you may. Um, I've never liked Ursaring that much until I just became a Poketuber and just learned about every Pokemon. So it was always like just a Pokemon that I really thought was underwhelming as as a bear Pokemon. It just, it just looks like a bear. <laughs> it looks like a sun bear. And that's it. Uh, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, they're both average Pokemon for me. Do you have a do you have a, a sort of favorite, like a preference for the new the new evolutions? Oh, definitely. Uh, what's it called? Basculegion, dude! Also one of the yeah, coolest that, names ever. Basculegion. Super cool. Going from a Pokemon that I... It was negative for me. Like, I, who, who likes a Basculin as much as the average person? But, like... Sure. Basculegion is one of the, yeah, the top-tier Pokemon. So I, I love when that agree. happens. Yeah, I can completely agree. I think... And it, what's wild about it is that they added... There's, like, multiple forms of it. There's, like, yeah. variations on it, which is I, wild. I, oh, I also really like the Basculin form. I like the Hisuian yeah. Basculin. That's a really interesting color for any Pokemon, honestly. And I what is it that for you? Because I know you're big on your you're big on design. What is your what is the thing that for you kind of makes a, a complete package like perhaps Basculin? Um, well, the concept is really cool too. Um, and usually, even if the design, if I hate the design, the concept makes me hate it less. Um, especially. Con- Considering the name Basculegion Legion ties into the concept of it being like a com- combination of like souls, but also 
just Basque Legion, dude. That's one of the coolest names ever. I think this is one of the few Pokemon where the name is a part of the reason I love it. Um, and, you know, in Japan, they don't have that name. So it's like, it, it doesn't really matter. But the, uh, so you know how they stylized like the swirls on it? They're, yes. they're kind of jagged and look kind of ancient, like ancient paintings. I think the ghostly tail is what I love most about it. And the color scheme, too. I love the combination of green and pink. So, yeah, I think everything about it. I also love facial hair in Pokemon, apparently. Like, I even give a lot of my Fakemon facial hair. I like fa- It just works for me. It, it's one of those things where the swirl... I don't know what it is about that shape. Reminds me of Zelda the Wind Waker. So, it's immediately, like, gaining points there. And I see what you mean. What I like about the facial hair on it is that it's over-exaggerated. It's not... Yeah. It's not trying to literally look like it's got the hair growing off of its face it's it's a wisp of some kind it's some kind of spiritual part of the design i guess i i think it's fantastic i completely agree dude you ever watched danny phantom uh n- no i just sort of missed i just missed it just by like i don't know i feel like if i was a year younger i would have watched loads of danny I mean, phantom oh yeah you are like what a year and a half two years older than me I'm 28 what are you oh, okay well i'm a gonna turn 26 soon so yeah you're two and a half years old yeah I, I, I feel like i just missed danny phantom so there you go okay that makes sense because i was gonna be like what we're the same age <laughs> like and that was during my prime of like cartoon watching but uh okay okay oh, that sucks but it's gonna be cool because we're gonna have different shows that we would have watched and also i mean i guess i'm a animated show connoisseur at least the ones that i've watched yeah. so it's like if you watched an animated show i probably did like it even if it was past my time or before my time we would have Um, had i assume quite different shows as well because danny phantom was a disney one right nickelodeon no same guy nickelodeon butch hartman who made uh, butch hartman made a fairly odd parents right yes okay sure so fairly odd parents and spongebob obviously i watch a lot of those Uh, but we have obviously here we have cbc which is you know, based on BBC, British Broadcasting, <laughs> you know. So we've got, like, cartoons, English cartoons that I don't... I assume you wouldn't have had in America. But that's more for, like, children, like, like preschool cartoons. Those are the ones where it's different for different countries. But, like, once you're, like, 10 or 12, I feel like we have the same cartoons and most of them are from America. Like, Possibly. are there British cartoons that are aimed to, like, 12-year-olds or just, like the average kid that are only gotta, for British I've people? I've got to think about that. I'm going to, like, type in CBC cartoons and see what I can find. I don't know. Give me an example of a show that you watched as, like, a four-year-old. Uh, like, Cramp, Cramp Twins. That was exactly. a classic. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you, did you have Arthur? Okay, Arthur was my number one show before the age of six. That was... Because Arthur's quality show, honestly. Quality. Yeah, Arthur's great. They finished it, right? Recently. Yeah. They did, did a the, goodbye. Did you see the last scene or whatever? No. Where they're all adults? No, I've got to watch that. I loved probably the best plots for again a show that is not for like twelve year olds, but more for like seven year olds. Because again, the plots were like elaborate and actually like just it wasn't like educational in the sense of like they're teaching yeah. you the ABCs. It was just the perfect tone for kids eight years old that could also be okay for adults to watch. I guess I can't think of any other show like that. Because like once you get to like SpongeBob, yeah, that's a show that adults and kids can watch, but that's a kid show. That's not like a pre like a, a preschool show. You know what I'm talking about? What about, where do you find Recess falls on that? Did you watch Recess? Yeah, that's a kid, that's like a, just a normal kid show, and that's not like a preschool yeah. show. Um, and even then, like, I think that's a more of, like, even a preteen can watch. Uh, that's like up until age 12. Recess was great. I and... love any show like that where there's like a hierarchy in like the school, like Ned's Declassified. Have you ever watched Ned's Declassified? I haven't. I have heard of it, though. So that is also a well-done like show that takes place in middle school. Do you know what these shows did for me? And They made me jealous 
of kids in America because I felt that that must be what it was actually like to be on an like where you because you got these big playgrounds and you've got the you know you've got the playground swing set and the the king of the playground and like there's all these hierarchies and dynamics that was not my experience in a, in a British it was school not anybody any Americans experience either and the same thing like, what? So Nez, Nez the classified all these people are just having these wacky situations where they they get to like have they get to order food into school or like do construction and like turn an entire room into like a fort inside of a room like it's like how do you do that oh oh have you watched right have you watched community yeah i actually okay. really love community i kind of feel bad that i left it out in my top five like favorite series that we did in the previous podcast episode because it's probably my f- second favorite comedy show you'd love this there's an amazing video on youtube talking about how community and recess are like oh, the same they've honestly. got like the same plot lines they've got the same they've got literally some episodes have the same plot lines same groups of characters so you can break everyone down to the same like stereotypes and it's like I, I think they maybe even have the same or a similar creative team behind them or something like that I would compare that to like Nez the Classified but I don't want to go too far into it because you haven't watched it but it's like no Nez the Classified was a show that people wanted to see like a high school version and then I'm assuming like a college version like Community it would have been exactly like Community honestly oh my god that's hilarious we've yeah. gone full circle to what we were just talking about before the generated Pokemon you realise we're talking about we're talking about people want an adult version of the school version of the thing which is what we were just talking about with all grown up and, and Rugrats. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess that's what's so cool that we went full circle. Is that like, this is yeah. the reason why I love time times. There's a consistent theme. I think what that does, though, is it's, what, it's such a clever thing. It invites comparison, right, between, okay, what's the same? How do we know it's the same character? How do we know it's the same thing? What are the callbacks? But the more interesting stuff is what's different? Exactly. And oh. why is it changed? What is that character Dude. growth? Is that situational change? What's happening? It's, I love that stuff. And it's cool when it's like you understand why they went to the change because you've been with them through so much and now you haven't seen them for a long time but now because you just value this character so much you're able to understand the decisions they made off screen like after like three years or whatever um that's a well-written character like that i'm talking like quirk like small quirks or like oh they've picked up this sport or they've picked up this thing it's like oh that makes sense They, they talked about that in that in when they were a kid they talked about liking that or whatever do you know what this is something i've thought about actually a little bit recently is I was thinking about, and this is, you can use this as a, if you're listening and you're pitching shows to people, you can use this. I had an idea for like a dark comedy show, right? In which yeah. somebody, you, we always think about like how cool it would be if you could like travel back in time, but into your younger body, young, younger self's body. That is my number one dream. I ta- think about that once a week, dude. Right. Okay. But here it is as a series. You wake up and you're you're like you're you're ten, you're ten, you're twelve, whatever, and you're like suddenly you're you're sat at school and you realize you're sat at school and you realize this isn't a dream. Oh wow, super cool! I'm back in time. I can be super. I can I, I but I've got the brain of an adult, so I can um I can do all of the more the things that you want to do. Answers to people's like conf- confrontations. Right. Or- you're, you're gonna seem like the most intelligent person in the world. You could, you're not going to mess up on um, that friendship, the falling out that you had. You're not going to mess up on that date situation. But hang on, wait, you suddenly realize, oh no, I'm 12. Date situation, horrible idea. No, I don't <laughs> like that. Friendships, I haven't met that person yet. They're, they're going to be my best friend in the future. But I now know everything about them. And suddenly it turns from like a really positive thing to like a really bad thing. You think, oh, I'll play the stock market. How you can do that? You're 12. 
You can't I mean, do that. That can't be it's, a plot. That'll be a plot for like one episode and then like, wait, you can't. Every episode is like, oh, I want to do this thing, but I can't. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, so I, what I, do you do? I, I just think that's the opening and I, I love the okay. idea of someone so, who's like turning 30, they wake up in their 10-year-old body self and then we can check in with them again when they're like 20 and then we can check in with them again right before their 30th birthday and see how life's changed throughout you, that. There have been movies like that and shows. So first thing, 13 going on... Th- the 30 going on 13 or the opposite I, don't, I haven't seen it um same kind of plot she was 30 and she goes nah. back into her 13 year old oh no it's the opposite never mind never mind it's the opposite she was 13 and she all of a sudden is 30 there are a lot of movies where all of a sudden they're adults that's 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 a different scenario but the there is an an just like anything any any time you come up with an idea there's already an anime yeah so i'm watch i i i mean i finished the first season there's only one season so far of tokyo revengers which is it's that plot dude yeah, he's 25, oh, really? and he goes into his, like, 15-year-old body, or 13, 12, whatever. Um, yeah, and, and what he has he... to, like, stop him, stop a... So he's 25, and all of a sudden, his ex, his girlfriend from high school is dead. Like, he hears that she she died, and all of a sudden, he's 13 again, and he has to basically prevent the events that lead up to her death, I guess. Right. Okay, that sounds pretty interesting. I'd No, I'd love to check that out. I'd love to check that out. I mean, it's, not, it's definitely, again, you're not, it's not like, you shouldn't be your first anime. You haven't watched that many anime, so it's like, it's not the next show I would recommend. Um, it's very tropey, just like any anime. Yeah. But it's actually not really well condensed plot. Like, there's not a lot of just like filler or anything. It's really, it's good. Have you got anything that you would, you would do with time travel? That you like, is, is like a number one go-to? So the number one, th- if we're talking about time travel and not like going to our own body. If you could go back to your body when you were 10, what, what, what would you do? No, but 10 is stupid. <laughs> I can't do anything as a 10-year-old. What am I going to do as a 10-year-old? Like, even if that's I was trying challenge. to... If I, even if I was just intelligent, they'd be like, wow, he's intelligent. Nothing, I'm not going to... Well, you want me to become, like, this prodigy? And, like, even then, it's like, that would be annoying. I mean, that would be boring. I mean, it wouldn't be boring. It would just be a hassle to be a prodigy. I want to do things that I regret not doing, not things like a complete You want to solve regrets. Yeah. I want to correct things that I didn't do. So, for example... So, again, so that's why I think if it's 14... The running theme is regret, so it's it's not yeah. like I want to um, fulfill my fantasies. It's more that I want to I want to get closure on regret. Like, oh, yeah. what if I told this girl that I liked her? Or like, what if I actually went to this party that I was invited to, but I you know I was mm. you know to, too socially anxious to go to or whatever? And you just go out and you're you have this whole hero's journey and you're just a way better person for it. See, I think I'd be a worse person for it. I think I'd go back and use my superior now intellect to like socially dominate the playground i'd be like king i would be king bob i'd be like because the thing is like everyone what what the superpower that you'd have because i think when people at that age maybe not a 10 but like when you get a little bit older yeah like 13 14 people get really anxious and like self-conscious and they're like really worried like what do people think of me yeah. i would be the most confident human in the world because i would exactly. i'd walk around like none of this matters i'm a time traveler and so i just like everyone would think i'd be really cool and i'd be all, all really arrogant and i'd just be like whatever i don't care you're a dumb kid they'd be like you're a dumb kid i'd be like no i'm not that's what it is. <laughs> i'd look know. at the camera i'd be like you don't know <laughs> i think then yeah the number one thing when i imagine it is the confidence change like that's what changes yep. the most and for example if okay if i were to go back as a 10 year old 10 years old is when people would be like making fun of me for like let's say liking pokemon i guess because once you're in high school people don't care um at least in my high school they, they're like yeah cool you like the thing that you like but when you're like 10 that's in the age where you're like oh you like the thing that i perceive as a baby thing oh you're not as mature as i am but we're all 10 years old <laughs> so it's like mm. so i would 
have the natural like adult response to that and I would have been like yeah I'm allowed to like whatever I like and then just walk away instead of just getting angry and like not yeah. having a good response to that do you worry that you would uh, you'd suck at like tests and stuff though because like I definitely don't know I don't know if I could do I don't know how dumb level GCSE level English maths and science were whether I'd actually still know that stuff or whether I'd now be like out of practice and struggle which grade are we talking about I mean, like, which, uh, so you're, what, you're talking old? about you're just 16. You're like 16. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't know. The, 16 for me was geometry. Ge- I was the best at geometry, honestly. I was really good at geometry. Oh, yeah? I wasn't good at like trigonometry. Who's good at trigonometry? At least the average person isn't. Uh, but like, and also hi- I like history. So I wouldn't remember that. Again, I would just have to study. I wouldn't immediately know everything. Everything you have to, every test you have to study. I don't remember, you know, the specific things that happened in the specific war. Um, that wasn't as significant as like World War One or two, but like I've just realized I'd be a dropout. I've just realized it would all go horribly <laughs> wrong for me because I've just said that. Oh yeah, you know I'd be. It's it's really cool. You know I'd go Ooh. back and be king of the playground. That would be boring after like two days. I'd then go. Mum would go. Toby, you need to go to school, and I'd just be like, I don't need to go to school. I'm an adult, and she'd be like, You're ten. So then I'd drop out of school, and then I'd probably run in with a bad crowd. I'd oh. actually be future. I would ruin my own future. I would become like drop out Toby. <laughs> I just realized that we would have a similar situation in terms of we both went to like, so I went to art school, right? The fact that I did well in high school didn't matter, <laughs> to, like my grades right. and my or the the kinds of classes that I was in did not matter into getting accepted to my art school. Um, so I would have just not been in, I would have been like, I would have dropped out of the honors class. I would have gone down the classes. I wouldn't have been in my all the honors classes that I would have been. I was smart that I didn't do any AP classes because I knew that I, do you know what AP is? No. AP is like college level, like you get credits, college credits for being in these classes in high school. I, so like some of them did that because that would help you get to get accepted into really good colleges and you'll, you'll get extra right. credits. sure, sure. But I didn't do that because I knew I went to, I'm going to art school even though I was able to go to these AP classes. Yeah, I would have just gone to the normal level. Yeah, I just I, wouldn't have tried I, as much, I guess. But I, I, I know, still be in I know it's in the same vein as stock market, but I'll, I'll be honest, I would just, like sealed Pokemon cards, I just hoard and hoard and hoard. I would but be so at age happy 16, now. Are those wait, so when you were sixteen? Were those the cards that were being released at that time? Were they valuable? Still, uh, what year is my, my sixteen? I'm twenty eight now, so we're talking twelve years ago. It's now twenty twenty two, so two thousand ten. Yeah, wait, 2010 no, cards aren't not, valuable. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely every card, old card is valuable, but they're not as valuable as like nineteen ninety nine. What 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 was, was twenty ten? That was. What was game was coming out then? That was going to be black and white, right? Yeah, that was like, who's? Oh no! I mean, they are. You'd be surprised. You'd yeah, be you surprised. Know about the cars, I don't. But but the thing is, is that like at that time, it it wouldn't matter because I wouldn't be buying like the modern stuff for then. I'd be buying like early like Johto Hoenn and I can't because no one's charging for it at that point. You know, yeah. the, the the really before two thousand sixteen. It was like, you can buy a packet of base set for £20. And you'd be like, £20 for a pack <laughs> of cards? I'm not going to do that. Whereas obviously now you'd be you'd be laughing. <laughs> it's like, you sure. know, it's the thing. I would have bought loads with the income I would have had at age 16. I, guess. I don't know <laughs> what income that was. but I didn't have... Oh, no, I had a job. I, my first job was, I guess, at, at 16. Yeah. Okay. What'd you do? What'd you, what'd you do? What'd you I was a wedding videographer because my dad has a wedding oh, cool. photography studio. Um, or just normal, you know, any event, not just weddings. Um, sure. This week, I was listening to the Pokemon theme song, like the, the like dun 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 dun. Oh yeah. Um, 
And I realized, wow, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty good theme song. Especially, there are a lot of different variations. Like, there's the Pokemon Origins version, which is, like, way more intense or an electronic. Whatever. And it reminded me of a time I was in, like, I was, like, 17 in high school. And the other kids were discussing video game theme songs or just video game music in general. And this was before I really got into Pokemon music um, or any music in general. And I just didn't bring that up. I didn't bring up Pokemon. I didn't bring up anything. While nowadays, I would be super passionate about that. So if I went back in time, I would have been like, listen to this. <laughs> You're going to like this one. Um, your kids are going to like this. <laughs> but um, I think, honestly, that naturally goes to our next segment. <laughs> yes, it does very well. Our favorite music. Every or the last four episodes, including this one, we've been counting down our favorite movies, shows, and video games. Now it's time for our top three to five favorite like music artists. Yeah. At least for me, I don't know about you, we'll talk about it. I Music is a huge part of my life. It's the thing that gives me, honestly, the most emotion out of anything. I, I mean, is that not is that not a thing for you? <laughs> like, like are, do you cry to music? Because I do. That's I, I mean, I absolutely I cry to music. I think you have a relationship to music, though, that is definitely, I always think of as being particularly special. Like, there's, there's I think, a way that I appreciate the art form, which is just enjoying listening to music, sometimes going on a journey with it. Sometimes I use it to help me sleep. Sometimes it's reliving memories and emotions. Yeah. Um, I think you appreciate music on a couple other levels, though, that I'm not, which I'd love to know more about. Like, I know for you, it's a really big part of your life. Well, people always act act as if it's like, I had like a significant music event or like that I'm a musician and I know everything about music. It really isn't like that. It's not like because I... I'm classically trained in music or, uh, I don't know, music helped me through a bad part or a good part of my life. It's more that, no, I just, something about melodies it themselves actually trigger emotion for me. <laughs> and whether I've, whether they're attached to a, an event in my life or not, for example, I'll listen to a, th- a theme from a, from a game, a video game that I've never played, sometimes don't even know the context, and I'd cry. For example... Wow. Honestly, this is actually part of my fifth. So we we count. Um, we're counting down top five, right? And my fifth slot is just all the genres that I. It's not specific artists. It's just all the genres that I love. And so one of them is video game music. That's the kind of music that I listen to the most. So for example, I listened to Dearly Beloved and or Sim, uh, or Simple Simple and Clean. Both of these songs from from uh, from Kingdom Hearts. I've never played Kingdom Hearts, but I've cried to both of those themes. Wow. <laughs> I something about because. I listen to music for the melody. Other people, you know, they may listen to the lyrics or to the to the f- for the beat. A lot of people nowadays listen just for the beat, honestly. Um, but no, for me, it's the melodies. That's why that's why a lot of my music is not like lyrical or anything. It's mostly like video game music. It's soundtracks. Um, a lot of a lot of lo-fi. I mean, lo-fi isn't my favorite genre or anything. But a lot of time when I'm working, I'm listening to lo-fi. And I mean, that's not really based on the melody. That's more the beat and the vibe. But that's why I love jazz. I love uh, orchestra music. I love. I think that's incredible, though, that you could just because for me, like the idea that there's a bit of Kingdom Hearts music that I might really enjoy. Right. Yeah. But I I won't go out of my way to seek that out. It has to introduce itself into my life either through the result of me playing the game or some other medium, whether it's like. Uh, you know, I might know that track as the background bit of music for a video I saw on YouTube and I've gone, wow, the music in this is really good. What's it from? Oh, it's the Kingdom Hearts thing. That's cool. But then I'll just, I'll get interested in that one track. It won't make me want to explore 
Oh, like really? the whole album yeah yeah i think we have a very different relationship to music in that way maybe i'm addicted to like the feeling of like cr- like getting emotional towards music so i'm like oh what if there are other songs or tracks in this album or in the soundtrack that can do that for me so let me listen to that soundtrack so there i mean we talked about this last episode i don't play video games but i know a lot about the video games that i don't play right so same thing yeah. with the soundtracks i know i've listened to a bunch of video game and anime soundtracks for things that i haven't consumed um for example undertale my, it's my favorite soundtrack out of other than Pokemon or you know any Pokemon soundtrack is I, you know, Pokemon is my number one favorite kind of music honestly but Undertale I've never played Undertale I know the context I've watched I've watched uh, playthroughs I've mm. I know everything at least about the story and the characters but Undertale music is my second favorite like video game soundtrack and I've cried to to various Undertale tracks Sonic Mania Donkey Kong um, a lot of these tracks that these these are I mean these are very famous like video game soundtracks um, and it's mostly because of the melody itself it's like I don't know the context of some some Sonic Mania tracks because they have to do with a level that I've never seen but I'm like that is a that is a sick melody it goes places that make me feel emotions <laughs> if you have you ever listened to the soundtrack for Halo 3 ODST no I'd never look at soundtracks for shooters. I maybe I should because there are probably some with a lot of good tracks. But it's like they are—they're not mel- melodically driven. I I, I like I, the reason I love video game music is because the number one thing is melody. Because obviously there's no lyrics, the beats aren't as mm. important. Um, it's all like a really sick melody. What, what do you what do you mean by melodies? I know that's going to sound like a really no, noobish fine. question for music, but what do you mean by a melody? Melody is literally the tune. It's literally the yeah. you can sing the tune. For example, that's the there's melody. some yeah. That's, I mean, there's some pretty iconic ones in the Halo series as a whole. But I oh, actually well, the, specifically the Halo theme song. I, you know that sure I know that, there are lots of that, but uh, Halo ODST specifically okay. has a. It's completely different to the rest of the series, and the music has. It's this. The only way to describe it is like neon jazz. I don't know what <laughs> oh, other okay. word I could I use love to, that. to to bring it to life. And anyone who's played ODST, I think, would relate to that and know immediately what I'm saying. But if you haven't, it's really hard to visualize. But it's this feeling of if you ever want to kind of brood and and uh, be reflective, it's it's the sound of rainfall at night. You're alone in a city, and there's there's Dude. lights coming on. But they're far away. They're far away lights. And there's this beautiful cascade of like jazz and and um, color as you are moving through this isolation, wondering as if you're on an alien planet. That's that's the spirit of ODST's music. And I think you would love it. Okay, dude. So there has been this Jubilife City remix, I think by Mesmonium on YouTube. I may even play it in the background right now so you guys understand what I ta- I'm talking about. It basically is what if like there was just a jazz player, just it's like night jazz. That's why I I don't know what the genre is, and I've been trying to find this genre. I, I it maybe like skyline jazz or whatever. Listen mm. to this. I've been trying to find just music that sounds like that because it, it feels like you're in the rain at night in a city and you're just listening to jazz, but it's like the jazz is reverberating through the, like the rain and like like it's just a trombone and like it, you can feel the emotion of the person playing the je- the saxophone and like. Here, oh, listen yeah. to my thing and I'll listen to your thing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's kind of this really relaxing, like... Let me hear your thing. I think my one has a bit more tension. 
this is the kind of music I would listen to while I'm studying or, or working sometimes other than mm-hmm. if I'm tired of lo-fi for the day or anime soundtracks and stuff like that I will put on some of this Halo track that you sent me where it's like just nice p- piano with a melody what sucks is that so sometimes I'm like I want just the relaxing tracks from various anime I want a, I want a compilation of that I want to listen to that while I'm working mm. But whenever they do that, it's literally just a piano. It's like some. It's like it's always a piano cover of like Ghibli. It's never like the actual. Tr- There's no compilation of the actual tracks that are relaxing. Whenever you write relaxing, it either means lo-fi or piano. No, I want something that's like maybe more involved, maybe some violin and flute, mm. but it's still relaxing. You know, it should, relaxing shouldn't mean just <laughs> piano or lo-fi. But I guess other than like video game and soundtracks and st- for anime or instrumental stuff. The number one two genres that are lyrical that are actually songs are is alt- alternative rock and okay. J-pop rock. Like because I'm okay. a huge anime fan, I think what got me into music was uh, like anime openings, and that's like right, what yeah. got me into TV, to anime in general. Like that's the thing that gives me the most emotion. Because um, I think honestly, for, my, for me personally, my favorite art form is an- the anime opening. Anime opening is just a combination of combination of so many different kinds of art you have the music you have the context you have the animation you have how how good the animation and the music goes together uh you have the story that if you know the story it just heightens the the feeling i mean there's a lot of anime openings that i don't even know the story and i've even i've teared up you've you've told me this um actually and since you did i've been noticing it like oh, when watching anime i watch the opening and i'm like this isn't just some credit sequence. This isn't just something like there's story in here and you can actually learn so much about the show based on what's going on in the in the openings. I think it's fantastic. That you when Ace Trainer Liam told me that he's like, I don't understand the point of like he, he wants there to not be an anime opening. He hates anime openings. I mean, he didn't say hate, but he does not see the point of them and does not get any enjoyment from them. I don't understand that. Um, I get like skipping it, you know, every once in a while or just, I mean, I understand watching it once and then skipping it the rest. A lot yep. of people do that. I personally don't. If it's a good opening, I will listen to it every time. Like, like all every Attack on Titan opening, I oh, listen yeah. to that when, oh, I, yeah. when I watch the show. Um, but, um, so that's my fifth spot. My fifth spot is all the anime openings that I love. I'm not going to now bring them up. If, the, if you're a connoisseur of anime openings, chances are I like the ones that you like too. That's it. But my favorite, yeah. my, my favorite anime opening of all time is the first opening of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Which will be the next anime I watch, I think. Um, cool. Based on your recommendation. So I'll be, I'll be specifically watching out for the opening. I'll, I, I'll let you know. I think it has a good balance of really good animation and really good uh, uh, song. Well, there, there may be better songs for anime openings and there may be better uh, animation. I think one of the best balance. Oh, yeah. So that's my fifth spot. What about you? I, well, I, so I don't have as many as you, and I think cool. that part of that comes from the fact that I um, I just have a different relationship to, to, to music, which is obviously I enjoy music like anybody else, I think. I don't think there's anyone in the world who doesn't enjoy music. Um, but I have, like, struggle finding genres. It, it really is a case for me that I have that thing where I'll watch a show and I'll hear a soundtrack, or I'll, I'll, I'll be at a club. I'm not a club anymore. <laughs> I don't go to clubs anymore. I'll be at a pub and I'll I'll hear a bit of music and I'm like, oh, I hear that a lot. I'm at the gym. I hear a bit of music. And so if I hear something enough that I enjoy it, I'll then go to iTunes and I'll just download that one song. And I'm never compelled to go through 
full soundtracks. Um, but I'm never compelled to go through full albums. I rarely yeah. do it. I wish I do did it more. It's mostly like soundtracks that I do the full listening to. But me too. I don't really listen to entire albums. But there's sort of two artists that kind of, and they're going to sound like very different artists. But both Lana Del Rey oh. and Woodkid. Woodkid okay. is the, and I, I love, love both Woodkid, of these. Actually. Yeah, because, well, I mean, recently my love has been reignited from watching Arcane, which oh, is, yeah. you know, because there's that song. Yeah, so I was listening to it, and I'm like, I haven't heard, heard, listened to Woodkid in a long time, and I'm like, wait, is that, I, I, it took me like five minutes to even think of who would, like, remembering the fact that Woodkid exists, so I'm like, but this sounds familiar. Woodkid, yeah. what's cool about Woodkid is, I think he also makes the music videos or something like that? Which are always amazing, right? I don't remember what part. I just remember the aspect that he not only makes the music, but he makes some other aspect of his art. But it may be the, yeah, maybe he directs the music videos. I don't remember. But the, but the reason I sort of blend together Woodkid and Lana Del Rey, and I think this is maybe more specific to me than than maybe it would be for other people, or maybe I'd, I'd love to know in the comments of the YouTube video if anyone is having this experience. Is I find this music from either of them i love them for the same reasons which is that i find it quite ethereal and quite it it very it, it's not grounded in reality does that make any sense to you ron the word ethereal definitely makes sense for me when it comes to uh lana del rey yeah I, um woodkid close to ethereal i think for me i think of like atmospheric yeah it's like it's not a, it's not like as airy as Lana Del Rey it doesn't make you feel like a little bit more epic a little it's bit more epic. it feels like a movie soundtrack that's why I love Woodkin I, I find that it's music that I can listen to and it can really take me outside of myself and put me in a position where I'm looking at life from a from a from a, a third person point of view and that I'm I have more I, I don't know agency uh, just through listening to music I sort of see things as they are uh, as opposed to the day-to-day mundanities of life suddenly just, when I'm listening to this music it just sort of it sounds very artsy but it, it definitely it's the kind of music that helps disconnect me from the here and now and allows me to escape for a little bit and it, uh, I don't know what that is but I love it's it it's the opposite of what I thought you would listen to because um, I, mean, I think we talk about mu- your music taste but like I assumed it was more just like poppy and more like just anything happy. <laughs> well, that's not Lana yeah. Del Rey. Well, okay, I actually don't listen to Lana Del Rey, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've never really found a hook for me. I because again, I listen to melody. Like melody is my number one reason for listening to music. And for me, I guess Lana Del Rey, her melodies are very like I I can't really sing her songs as easily. Or, like, I can't remember the melodies other than, like, oh, summertime sadness. Yeah. It, but even that, you see, like, the, the notes drag on, and it just, like, it, like, it blurs the melody. Instead of, like, a clear melody, the melodies are very, like, soft and, like, almost like they, they're deteriorating at the end of each, like, line or whatever sometimes. Imagine a melody being like this, where it's like, that's a clear okay. thing, I can see it, I can feel it. But Lana Del Rey is more like Jello, where it's like... It unravels yeah. and it's like it's like it's harder to hold in your hand. It's more like a liquid. <laughs> Breaks convention. I well, agree. Normal I, melody yeah. is a solid. Um, I can actually put that in the podcast. That makes that's a cool analogy. Um, yeah, I like what, that. Like some yeah. like some of her notes blend into each other and like and that just isn't my kind of thing. That's fair. That's fair it's, enough. It's definitely that good music. Like it's she's a good artist. I just not yeah. I've just got this kind of imagery with this music, specifically with Lana Del Rey, of of sort of being sat outside on a sunny day, drinks in hand, being a little drunk on alcohol, but also a little drunk on life, and just kind of with a group of friends and just (laughs) sort of third-personing and seeing 
life is good. And that's what I feel. I don't know I don't know how to describe it other than that. I have that for one of the songs in my later albums that I'm going to make. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to getting to that. What's what's kind of next on your list? I'm next interested. Is probably the most like currently like currently popular mm-hmm. uh, artist. Maybe he's actually the most popular artist right now. I think my f- fourth favorite like artist is The Weeknd. Okay, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. The last two albums or one of the few albums, like there are not many albums. Like the next four artists are the t- are the art are the only artists where I like a majority of the songs of the specific albums that I love. While other artists, yeah, I may absolutely love one of their songs, but it's like the only song of theirs that I like. Um, while the weekend, almost every popular song that I've heard of his, I love. So. I've listened to obviously Blind Burn the Light. That's him, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So I know that song, but again, it's like I've heard that song. I've taken that song. So where would you recommend I go next to uh, enjoy more of him? Your Eyes is, I think, the same album. So like Your Eyes. Oh, Save Your Te- Save Your Tears for Another Day. That's a more okay. sadder version, I guess, of like those two songs. But it's the same. What I love about the the weekend currently is the '80s kind of sound. So my whole life, I've been growing up with 80s music. I'm definitely more than the average person because my dad is a huge 80s music fan. And normally you adopt the music taste of your parents. Um, yes. And so, yeah, the sound of the 80s. Well, I, like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of like the lyrics of a lot of 80s songs or like the, the singing of a lot of 80s songs. The melodies and the instruments, I'm a huge fan of. Um, and The Weeknd is like taking the 80s, modernizing it with really good uh, singing and and just uh, production. I mean, I, I'm a fan of like a lot of pre-modern we- The Weeknd songs, like the like his first like uh, popular songs, like uh, I Can't Feel My Face uh, When I'm With You. You know that song? Um, I might. I've got this horrible thing where like you could say a song and you'll be like, oh, that's by that artist. And I'll just go is it oh okay <laughs> i'm genuinely awful and always have been at that and then but and then suddenly i'll i'll get a little collection of like two or three songs and i'm like oh i know it's that artist oh i quite like their music and it sort of sits together but what's the coolest thing about the weekend is just that the last two albums like two albums in a row that are critically acclaimed that i personally enjoy a lot that's very rare for like there Either there's always an evolution where, like, the next album uh, may have some songs that you like as much as the previous album, but, like, he's gone in a different direction or he's gone back to his old direction. No, two albums that really feel like the same. I mean, his newer album is more sad, but it's the same exact sound. It's the same genre, um, and it's just more of The weekend. Um, yeah, I guess the genre is what? What is the genre? 80s? That's not a genre. <laughs> um... Whatever the genre the weekend is, any band that does that, I do enjoy. I'm going to listen to some more so that hopefully I can recommend you other songs that I know that I'll go, oh, is this, this is the genre. And yeah. then you can hopefully. That's, yeah. Same for the comments that. section. Any 80s. I'm, I mean, I love this trend of like a lot of new songs are sounding like 80s and 70s music. Have you noticed that? I mean, that's just a yes. guess, fact. <laughs> like, um, I'm not using you to verify whether or not it's true. <laughs> but, but, um, and what's cool is that this is coming after like the whole like two years ago the majority of music was hip hop and it still is and I'm just not a huge hip hop fan um, so it's like it's a very cool finally getting rock and and uh, traditional I guess pop music back instead of just EDM and hip hop like it was for a majority of the 2010s um, which you know I had a couple of you know 
EDM sounding songs from the 2010s that I enjoyed and just, you know mm. a bunch of hip hop artists that I respect and I enjoy their music there's, but, a, there's a track you might like uh, Light Up The Night by The Proto Man which is something that sounds sounds like similar to what you're describing with a wind, wa- with a wind wake up with a weekend <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll listen to that right like right after the podcast. Yeah, I guess uh, video game soundtracks again. Oh, cool. um, but like in the <laughs> I world, like that. I like that. I got. I mean, I got. I, I like video game soundtracks, but actually, specifically, and, and this one kind of comes with a little bit of a story. Um, do you remember when World was going to end in 2012? Yeah, this is relevant. So the Mayan calendar's doing its countdown and all of us are in, you know, 2012, black and white. I'm in like school slash college uh, and and we're all kind of worried. Oh, the world's going <laughs> to end. And everyone's like, no, it's not. Don't be stupid. But, you know, we're kids and and, and it's, uh, or teenagers, I guess. And it's all kind of scary. And there's this website pops up and I don't even know how I find it. But a countdown starts towards the end of the world. And with it slowly the Majora's Mask appears on screen from Zelda. Okay. And it's... But it's not a pre-existing image of the Majora's Mask by Nintendo. It's like this highly detailed 3D graphic with, like, detail to the point where you can sort of see the grain in the wood that makes up the mask. And this animation starts shaking. Yeah, it's really cool. And it starts shaking. And the closer the countdown gets, it starts to shake more. Its eyes glow red. And as it gets to the end of the world, all of it was promo for an album by a group or person called Theamphony. I think I'm saying that right. And it is a uh, symphonic um, rendition of the Majora's Mask soundtrack. Nice. Um, and, or, or an orchestral one. Um, and so too did they did a sequel to it with, uh, and it's got like, um, it's got the Deku mask from the same game. Yeah. But these two soundtracks, more so than any other game soundtrack, are they're elevated in such an incredible way that again mood setting and like i really feel when i listen to these things alone while i'm walking (laughs) alone or in the rain i feel like it's the end of the world i feel that this is it i have reached the the edge of existence and i'm about to drop off when i listen to these soundtracks and it's just profound this is crazy the the, the last two the so far all the music you're recommending is like either epic or like um or like ethereal or atmospheric and yeah. i didn't expect that honestly well that's cool that you didn't expect i'm glad i'm glad i mean i, I think as well specifically though what it, what i do love is within the soundtrack there is a single track called healing termina which is it, it's that it's a standout track because the rest of the sound is so dark and gloomy and end of the world yeah but healing termina is exactly that it's it's healing it's a journey through saving the world and there's part of the zelda main theme in there and so it just kind of there's this like hopefulness in it as well which i really like but if you look it up if you look you know orchestral majora's mask soundtrack you'll find it easily enough but it was just so incredible as well that it was tied into this cool website that it was ambiguous as to what this website was and i, I loved stuff like that i really did i really really did um yeah, yeah I, I do too honestly I mean that's what I've been doing for the, since like 2012 I mean I'm doing that with Pokemon I'm constantly looking for orchestrated or remixes or remasters of um, Pokemon music I would say I'm honestly an expert on that kind of this, this that sphere online you probably for, for are. Pokemon music like 
it's hard to say that because I, I don't create these themes, but like even the people who create the themes, they're not the ones literally look, you know, typing every day remix, you know, Pokemon remixes and trying to listen to every one of them, but I am. Um, so it's interesting to see that from a different franchise too. Have you, you've had the uh, opportunity to see the Pokemon Symphonic Orchestra play? Yes, 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 I have. Yeah. Oh, I have a story from there. Um, that's actually the first time I've ever met like a, a fan, I guess. And that was oh, back cool. when I only had 20,000 uh, subscribers. So when did, when did that ever happen? And she, honestly, I wish she had like social media. She took a picture with me and like she was super excited to meet me. It was crazy. What? Like like a girl fangirling over me? That that would never happen? I never thought that would happen, honestly. Um, yeah. Like right That's at the beginning wild. of my career, that probably changed my, yeah, it probably changed my perspective. Well, I suppose you assume that all your viewers are like, just what, guys your age? Who yeah, are, or younger. And then younger, you're like, oh. She was, she was taller than me. And, and she didn't like she expressed the fact that she has no social media or anything so I'm like because I wanted the picture I wanted to like say on Twitter oh I met a fan or whatever but she's like I don't have any social media <laughs> so it's like I'll never know the first fan I've ever met um, who that was I got I got really lucky with the the, the first viewer I ever met was um, was a girl called Claire and she came up to me at uh, the first social in the city that I went to and uh, at this point I didn't even ha- I wasn't Berkey Toby I had a vlog channel that had all of 300 subscribers and this person knocked Toby and I like turn around and she's like I watch your channel I'd love to get a photo and I was like you don't understand I am so much more excited to get to have this conversation than you are like without a doubt it's the coolest thing I've still got the photo we kept in contact for about a year actually I was like uh, yeah I was like if if I see you in my comment section I will always reply to you and that kind of thing I think we spoke on Tumblr back when I actually had a Tumblr Um, (laughs) but I I have no idea what that person's doing now I highly doubt they are here and listening to this but um, yeah dude what an incredible story I guess my third favorite band I guess because it's like here's what's funny it's Paramore Okay. Oh, I love Paramore. Yeah. But I don't really listen to their like punk, pop punk thing. Like the right. older music. I'm a huge, a way bigger fan of their last two albums, um, which is more like Whoa. just pop rock. Let me get, send you an example of one of the most popular songs from like okay. the last album. Songs like uh, Hard Times and uh, Told You So. This exact sound, again, it's even, it's it sounds more 80s, <laughs> but this exact sound I love. I love... It's one of the, f- the last album is one of the few albums that, yeah, I love a majority of the, of the songs and that's why it's here. I know this song. I know the song. It's a great song. Yeah. Great so song. It's just, yeah. it's less about angst. Like I've never had this teen angst, so I don't relate to like punk rock as much. Although mm-hmm. I do like the sound because again, it's punk rock is very close to like J-pop rock um, or J-rock. So it's like, I get it. I love J-rock. I, so I do enjoy like you know misery business or whatever i like it i like it a lot this is is cool and i'm glad to kind of hear that you're enjoying their modern stuff because i think it's really common to hear like oh yeah back when they were like good or back when they you know and like <laughs> i think that's really cool i think it's really cool it's actually my next band is the same thing um or would you would, okay. i've got less on my list so do you want to say them now no you go next <laughs> okay all right well it's sort of my only thing left is the thing okay. um which is, uh, I am a huge fan of Tenacious D. Of course, um, I mean, <laughs> have I have we spoken about this before? Yeah, we you talked about uh, their their movie as one of your favorite. Oh movies. right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same attitude, isn't it? It's the You're it's the two two friends are having fun, and it was able to go into the world 
and be something silly and enjoyable. Um, and what I found interesting is I remember a conversation with a friend who said that well, they're failed artists, aren't they? Uh, this was what? a long time ago. This is when I was in school. And I just sat there thinking, you know, and they, I mean, don't get me wrong. The person making this comment was a kid. I was a kid. We were not, neither of us qualified to even have this discussion. But I just remember thinking, who are you to say that? I enjoy their music. I think their music is great. And actually, they're my favorite band. Um, but there's also oh. a lot of nostalgic attachment. Um I had a friend, uh, Dan Foster, who sadly passed away, um, and we used to film skits as if we were Jack Black and Kyle Gass. <laughs> and so, and we loved it. I don't know, we just loved Tenacious D, and that was a thing that we got to share. And so it's, for me, really evocative of that time when I was like 15, 16, 17, that we would hang out together and we'd sit there and, and play Halo and talk rubbish about people and uh, and just eat bad food and that kind of thing and like yeah. try and exercise our adultism, but then actually we're kids. You, if you know what I mean, I don't know. I know what you're talking about. And it was just, you know, spending Saturdays and Sundays and Friday evenings and all that stuff hanging out. And there's, there's a lot of that packed in there for me. Um, to me, one of my favorite experiences is sitting on my own until like three four in the morning playing halo 3 listening to the tenacious d soundtrack wow. with with bad snacks that would be that's like a perfect cathartic experience for me um as a result of all this it's just my way of connecting to him so it's it's a nice thing it's a special thing you know there are a bunch of uh tenacious d songs that i enjoy um i don't remember any of them like i can't tell you the <laughs> title of them i just remember because it's, I mean, I guess it's more also. I'm enjoying the music video. I'm enjoying the energy of the of of Jack Black. Of the two of them. I like the concept of the song. It's very close to my my love of uh, anime openings, where it's like mm. you love the complete package, not just the music. So I definitely relate to that. It's funny because I feel like a lot of people online wouldn't like think that Tenacious D would like jam with the bird keeper toby family friendly uh really? persona yeah i mean there is literally not a single single song without <laughs> like aggressive swearing in it and that kind of thing as a friend of yours it definitely makes sense yeah for you i just didn't know it was gonna be, i didn't think it was gonna be your number one favorite no it literally is the next band was i guess the band i've was i've been the most a fan of like yeah. I, it's the one of the few bands that i've ever actually like followed like what's going on with them until the my number one spot, um, and that is Arctic Monkey. <laughs> I Coming... don't know them really at all. Oh, shut up! <laughs> no, really, I don't. I've heard of them, but I don't. I you, I really? couldn't tell you a. I could not tell you an Arctic Monkey song. That's crazy. So normally it's like the British person is going to be like, I love Arctic Monkeys, and the Arctic oh, really? is like, oh, me too. I just heard of them, but like, um, yeah, wild. That's hilarious. So Arctic Monkeys, is like, I mean, it's literally rock. It's just rock, rock. Okay. Um, it's not pop rock it's not punk rock it's i mean the original the first few albums are like garage rock like it's just like you know these british people like in a you know very not grungy but like just dirty sounding rock you know it's just imagine i don't know i don't know the terms because i don't know i'm not a british person you probably know the terms where it's like this kind of british person i don't know what to call them more northern british like uh because they have they have a northern accent, I think. Like I a know. scouser, like a. I don't know. Like just is, imagine like a, not a not, they're not they're not playing punk music, but the music, but they themselves are probably more like rowdy boys, you know, like like rowdy lads. British nor, northern lads playing rock music, whatever. That's what the the first few albums sound like, and that's what made them popular. But like 
I'm actually a fan of their more modern things. <laughs> like, cool. and people are, you know, ori- you know, the original Arctic Monkey fans are not a, a huge fan of the last album, which is their biggest change. Like, it, it was no longer rock. It was more like, sucks. I thought you would have known the, the song. Let I'm me- so sorry. You're going to have to, but then this is brilliant. This is what the podcast is for, is you yeah, can yeah. now send me links and I can listen to Arctic Monkeys for the rest of the night. Okay, so I'm a big fan for anybody listening to of the AM album. I'm actually not a big, huge fan of their most recent album. That was a little too experimental for me. Not like I'm a big fan of Melody and their last uh, uh, album. It's just talking singing, which is I mean it has its merit, but it's like I can't find the melody a lot. But the previous album is the perfect balance of rock, but also and melody and like it's atmospheric. It's like the whole. I mean, it's called AM for multiple reasons: AM Arctic Monkeys, but also AM like AM like the time of day. AM mm-hmm. so like all the songs make you feel like it's like the singer is like in the middle of the night, think having anxieties or drunk or or high or just thinking about his life or whatever or his regrets. Um, but it has melody. It's not like sad. It's just like still rock. What's um, your what's your favorite Arctic Monkey song? It's the classic. It's the most famous song out of the UK, outside of the UK, which is "Do I Want to Know." That's what got me into it. So I'm going to send you that one, and then maybe you'll listen to it now. <laughs> I, I, I'm literally making notes. Like the song, the album has a lot of range. Oh, I know it. this. Yeah, it's yeah, a I've very heard this. famous song. Um, yeah, yeah, of course I've heard this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so That's exactly what I was talking about. I, I, of course, now I know this song is Arctic Monkeys, but so, I wouldn't have known before. <laughs> the next song is gonna be i guess the most rockish song on the album which is are you mine very nice yeah i think i've heard this before i think but yeah this is great and then this is the next the last song is their most chill song and that one i have a story about it's definitely like it's not not on my street by any means like it's just a case of i'm not yeah you're not familiar which is weird because yeah. like that's probably the most famous british band that is not as famous outside of uk and Mad Sounds, which is like their most like chill sound on song on their album. When I was graduating, literally we had a party right after graduation, and we stayed up very late after the party. You know, after all the guests left, I stayed over the host and me and a couple of other guys, uh, friends. That you know, this is our last time really hanging out with each other. You know, after this, we're going our separate ways. Although, I mean, a majority of them I still have seen after high school, and one or two of them are still friends of mine, but this was like literally the end of an era for us we're sitting down at like five o'clock in the morning we you know pulled an all-nighter i guess and we're around the bonfire that this host has in his backyard i mean usually the people who have host a party they have bigger houses they have yeah and the weather's perfect it's like june so it's like we're outside watching the sunrise around a fire listening to mad sounds which is this chill kind of song that i'm assuming a lot of people listen to when they're high um Just a moment and just that's one of my yeah that exact moment was a moment I'll remember forever. Incredible. Um, so throughout that la- that that summer vacation from between high school and and going into college, AM that was this album was the soundtrack for my life. I was listening to this entire album constantly um, while I was like like just becoming an adult, <laughs> like doing you know get, going through new experiences and just like. I mean, during the summer vacation, I, that was when I started my channel and also took up bike riding and started going on walks and really started doing the things that I would end up doing throughout all of my adult life so far. Yeah. There's no other moment in your life where you're between a kid and an adult. And that's that was the soundtrack of my life during that time. It's crazy. That's amazing. That's so cool, man. And then what's your... So this is number two. So what's your number yeah. one? Until I found this 
artists, um, this was my favorite band. Or at least that album was my favorite piece of like media. Okay. The next is this Japanese duo called Yoasobi that you probably don't know, but it's probably the most they're probably the most famous duo outside of that that is also kind of popular outside of America. So here's I'm gonna send you their break their breakthrough debut song before I talk about them. I know you've been excited for this, sharing music with friends. I know this is your jam. Yes, yeah, the reason I <laughs> I made this podcast to share my tastes with with Toby. So this song, their first song, Yoru ni Kakeru or Racing Into the Night, it has two hundred fifty, almost three hundred million views, and that's not. I mean, that's more than there are people in Japan, right? So a majority of that, uh, not majority, a lot of that is just Western fans too. It's one of the few Japanese, you know, pop, J-pop artists that are just also popular in America. But not, you know, not to the point where they're mainstream in America or anything, but it's like people in America have heard them. All of their music has an actual story. Maybe it's based on like a short story in Japan or like it's sure. like it goes together with a story that they've come up with or whatever. It's all like there's a context to almost all the songs. This band is probably the exact taste I have in melody. This Interesting. duo okay. um, of singer and writer and it's very melody driven just pop music where it's like and it's Japan melody so it's like the, the chords are more elaborate I guess because in America we have the traditional like four chords right like yep. the famous four chords that a lot of pop songs are you know sound like or just any pop song is made up of four chords yeah, um, yeah, yeah. while in Japan the chords are more jazzy they're completely different than the ones in America this is a good example of them doing it well fully melody driven music and what's amazing about this band is like you hear one song and you're like okay this is gonna be a one hit wonder this is a very popular song but it's like how do you match this how do you mimic this success every single song they release hits the charts is like number one in Japan and is as good has the same sound like they're not like this wasn't a fluke they know how to make this exact sound that I love and every song even when they're experimenting, it's like, no, this is still like not far off from the original sound that I what is it? With. What is it you love about the sound? What is it that, where does it take you? Or what is the it melody and the singing. It's very like, the melody, if you listen to the song, you're going to hear it and you're going to, if you sing the melody, it's not like, na, 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 na. It's more like, it's very jazzy. There's yeah, a lot of yeah. notes. It's not like, and sorry, I could have sang that way better, but I, my voice is done after recording a podcast for this long. But um, <clears throat> it's a very intricate melody. It's not like, you know, basic, the song was made just sure, to sell, yeah. sell music. It was, no, that was a, these are passionate artists that are making music that is elaborate, at least melodically. Like a lot of, when you think elaborate music, maybe that's a lot of instruments or like it's epic and grand, where this is like melodically elaborate <laughs> mm. while still being uh, satisfying like if you think of a lot like sometimes I love jazz but like sometimes jazz is obviously elaborate but then it'll end up in places that you maybe don't want it to go or it's like it doesn't resolve in a way that you want to but all of these and especially with Japanese music or music from a different uh, culture you're not as satisfied with the chords that they are satisfied with because you're mm-hmm. what you're satisfied with is usually what you're used to and sometimes Japanese songs maybe the this verse will resolve with a note that I'm not too happy with because, but in Japan, that's just that's how you resolve that that note. That's how you resolve right, that, sure. that chord progression. Um, but no, this band, it's like this is the number one band I think could be popular in America. And here's the last bit of information that made it go from my favorite, like just one of my favorite J-pop bands, to my favorite J-pop band. So this whole time, I'm like, 
yeah, this could be popular in the West, and it it's kind of is um, among you know anime fans at least, or like just J-pop listener yeah. listeners. So I'm like, if imagine this was just translated into English, this would be super popular. And this is one of the only bands where like after they became mega stars, they're like, how about we translate our lyrics into English and re-record it with English lyrics? Not only is it just English translation of the songs. But the syllables are the exact same sounding syllables as the Japanese song. Oh, whoa. So, for example, the beginning of this most famous Yosobi song, Racing Into the Night, is Shizumuyoni in Japanese, right? But in English, it's Shizumuyoni. Okay. It's the same exact vowels. Whoa. That's got to be really hard to make that work. It's, it's the most dedication I've seen to just please fans and just to make art that could connect throughout the entire world. Wow. Like people who've heard the Japanese version, when they click on the English version, they're like, it's uncanny because they think they're listening to the Japanese version, but all of a sudden they're hearing That's English. That's so cool. Because it's the same exact vowels. And they've done that to multiple songs where they've done this, this successfully. Obviously the English and the grammar isn't perfect because of this, because they're really trying to get the words to sound the same. Yeah, sure. But it's still successful. It's the same exact message. When I heard that for the first time, I I teared up. I was like, imagine not only saying that this, I want to see this kind of art, but they actually do it. And they do it the better than anybody uh, you've ever seen. Because I've seen, you know, English covers of like J-pop songs of, you know, anime openings. There's a bunch of them. But they're completely, they sound completely different. They're not as, and they're rarely as good as the original. It's this, but this is the exact same band singing the same song in English with the same exact vowels. So it sounds the exact same thing. So you can actually listen to this in the car with your friends. And they're not going to be like, ew, Japan. I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I love this. And I love that you're so excited about this. Like, I, I just think that's really cool. And I think if this whole podcast is to share interests and one of your main interests is music and this is your favorite music, I think I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to give it a listen. I don't think I have much of a choice. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll recommend my top three favorite uh, Yoasobi songs. And Please do. And what's crazy is that three is not enough. It's like, that's one of the few bands where I can actually just... I have like 10 songs that I that I love as much as the first song that I fell in love with. Um, which is, I guess, the same as like Arctic Monkeys, maybe even Paramore, and definitely The Weeknd. Um, and that's why those are my four favorite artists. Wow. You've... I, I mean, great, great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to, uh, like, certainly straight away Arctic Monkeys. I'm like, oh, I could listen to that. Oh, yeah, this. yeah. Like, that's... immediately that was a no-brainer. But this other one, I will, <laughs> yeah, definitely give it a go. I'm going to give you some homework as well for after. I'll, I'll send you a links at the end of, like, hey, have a listen sometime when you're feeling up for chill vibes. Please and, do. You know, I, I don't think I would not enjoy any music that you recommend. Because, um, like, again, like, I have particular taste, so, like, maybe mm-hmm. you won't enjoy my taste. But, like, I mean, it seems like... Maybe your taste is based on your interests and or your f- atmosphere, which like, yeah. am- I love atmospheric music or anything that matches some kind of tone of a specific vibe. I think we've probably just about hit the end of the uh, the show, haven't we? I mean, there's not much else to say. Um, you guys know what we are by now. If you are if you made it through th- four episodes, I think, I mean, we haven't evolved yet. And it's going to be interesting to see how, how different this podcast, podcast is going to be in like 30 episodes. But um, it's crazy to see the, almost the evolution in four episodes, at least internally. Like I'm definitely. I, I felt that this episode has been our best one yet. Definitely, but I, I feel I might like every episode has be been better that. than last. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna keep on trying to please. Um. So yeah, if you are listening, I hope you're uh, you've been enjoying the Calm Mind podcast, and and definitely let us know your favorite things about it, what you'd like to see, what you've enjoyed listening to in the comments, and if you're listening to us or wherever you're listening to us, you know, likes, comments, algorithms, all that good stuff. Yeah.